prayers. Uh, my baby has been sick for several days with fever and all kind of junk going on. I, I prayed for her. I forgot to put her on the list, but please keep her in your prayers. Ezekiel 33, beginning with verse number 1. I would ask that you would just give me liberty tonight. I know you will. I just feel the heart of a pastor tonight. So I want to share with you what the Lord had laid on my heart some time ago. Beginning with verse number 1, the Scripture says, Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people. And say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in, the iniquity, in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, so, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. I want to preach tonight on the subject, the warning of the watchman. The warning of the watchman. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Lord, I believe that you're here, you're present because you want to help us and you want us to grow closer to you. We open up our minds and our spirits that we can acknowledge that we need you in a greater measure. Be with us tonight. Keep us in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. Lord bless you as you're seated. I began with a very bold, yet I believe truthful statement. If humanity is going to be saved, there must be the voice of a preacher ringing in their ears. Why God chose the act of preaching to save men, perhaps no one will ever know on this side of heaven. But that's what God chose. In fact, to many, preaching is merely nonsense but they haven't experienced what we have experienced. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. 
Everyone in this building recognizes that there is power in the preached word. When the word of God goes forth, it releases something into the soil of our soul. It puts a seed within our spirit because the Bible says we are begotten by the word. Somewhere in your life, whether, the, whether you realize it or not, the word went forth. And with the word, there is power. And that seed was planted in your soul. You may not have went to an altar the first time, but somewhere along the way, the word of God that was preached took root in your heart and eventually it moved you to a response. And when you responded, you understood the power of the preached word of God. That's why Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm thankful today that I'm surrounded by people that understand the power of preaching. We need preaching to be saved. We don't need it to tickle our ears. We don't need it to make us feel good. But if we want to make it to heaven, somewhere along the way, we got to say, preach to me, preacher. Give me the word of God. Tell it to me like it needs to be. Don't water that word down, but give me the word of God. Thank God we had a preacher in our life. I love preaching. You know, there's people that they collect different things growing up. I never collected nothing. Really, the only thing I collected was, was preaching tapes. And I had, uh, I, I'm, I'm not old, but I'm going to date myself. I had a Walkman. Remember Walkmans? And I would click. Click, click, click. Boy, I'd wear that Walkman out listening to preaching tapes. Then I got to CDs, and I just, I devoured preaching. I, I listened to all kinds of preaching. I listened to preachers I didn't like. Because it's not about the style as much as about the content. And if they're preaching the word of God, we need the word to be saved. Some people think they can only worship if it's their style. It's not about the delivery as much as if they're in the book. I need it. Now, they're up here giving me a bunch of fluff. I can do without the fluff. But I need that word to be saved. I need to know this book right here. I've been, in, I've been in services where people that just didn't want to get with it. I know, I know, I'm not, this didn't happen here. But I know of people that they told their pastor they're not coming back until that preacher's gone. Can you imagine that? Now, I know that never happened at, at the Ridge. But this church is mature enough. If it's a first-time preacher, we can worship with them because it's not about the preacher, it's about the word. Or if it's a seasoned preacher, we can worship with them. Let me just drop this in here and get you to chew on it for a while. There's going to be men that come through here in the future.
that you may be sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, help that young man. You know what? Let me tell you how to help him. Preach with him. Because you may be helping him more than he's helping you. That's what a mature church, you recognize. You know what? Not everybody that comes to this pulpit is going to knock it out of the park. There's been times since I've walked, I've been here that I've walked away and felt like my watermelon was all over the floor. Nobody's going to hit home runs every time. But we got to be mature enough to say, Lord, that word is what we need. Even if, we, even if they get up here and it doesn't make any sense. Like Brother Tenney said, I've never heard a, a sermon that I couldn't get something out of, but I, I have had some close calls. We gotta have the preaching of the word. Bible says, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Preaching will not save everyone. That's what scripture says. But it will save them that believe. Believe. Salvation just does, does not just come by hearing. It comes by preaching. You cannot hear what is not preached. But preaching is more than telling Bible stories. It's more than 30 minutes of lecture. Preaching in its purest form includes the warnings of the Word of God. You know that old song people used to sing, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. That's an old song. When you sing that, you got to understand what you're singing because there's a whole lot of promises in here that aren't good promises. A whole lot of things God said that he don't like, and if you do what he don't like, this is what's going to happen. But we're living in a generation that they don't want the bad stuff. They want the good stuff. They want the stuff that makes them feel good. And hey, I love preaching that stuff. But I also have a duty unto the Lord to preach the entirety of His Word. If you want to make it to heaven, you got to take the whole book, not just the parts of the book that you don't like or that you like. Ezekiel chapter 33. God gives him his duty as a watchman and admonishes him. This is what he says. When the watchman sees the sword, he must warn the people. He must blow the trumpet. And if they hear the trumpet and choose to ignore it, then their blood is off of the hands of the watchman and they're accountable for their own actions. But if the watchman sees the sword and doesn't say anything and they die, then, he said, their blood is on the watchman's hand. And so he tells Ezekiel, he says, here's the duty of the watchman. I'm going to give you the word. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to tell you what's coming. And you got to warn the people. You got to tell them, Ezekiel, that this.
this is what's going to happen. Now, Ezekiel, if they don't listen to you, then it's on them. But if I tell you and you don't say anything and they die, their blood is on your hands. Now, we can sit here all day long and say, well, that's Old Testament. Hear me. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament that are parallels to the New Testament. They're types and shadows. They go hand in hand. They're principles. And I believe that the, the duty of the watchman as outlined to Ezekiel is a parallel of the duty of the shepherd or the under-shepherd and the watchman on the wall in the New Testament church. Here was the three responsibilities of the watchman. Watch, hear, and warn. That was what Ezekiel was told to do. And that's the same thing that I have to do as a pastor. I have to watch, I have to hear, and I have to warn. Watch, watch. It's the duty of the man of God to watch for your soul. I know the scripture says, see, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, and ultimately you have to stand before God, not me and you together. I understand that. But I do have a responsibility as the watchman to watch over the flock. I don't own the flock. And I tell God this all the time. Lord, I don't own anybody. But I have a responsibility for everybody. Can't make you live for God. Can't make you pray. I can't make you fast. I'm not in the business of making you do anything. But I can admonish you instruct you, encourage you that this is what the word of the Lord wants us to do. Watch. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The shepherd, his responsibility in the physical with the sheep was to watch over the sheep, to watch for any pitfalls, to watch for any danger, to watch. And I know we use that word loosely, but there's a, a big responsibility that goes with the watching. When I was evangelizing, a prophetic word, came to me when I first started. And I was just preaching weekends. Just happy to have a weekend to preach. Young evangelist, I was just so excited. And I was at O'Charlie's, it's a restaurant in Lake Charles. And I got a call from an elder uh, pastor. Actually, it was by mistake. He didn't even really mean to call me, but he called me. So I stepped outside and we were talking and Right before he hung up, he was apologizing for calling. and He said, Brother Stevenson, can I tell you what the Holy Ghost is telling me right now? I said, sure. I'm standing by the front door at O'Charlie's, people coming in and out. He said, you're no longer going to be preaching weekends as an evangelist. He said, but as a doctor, you're going to go into a church and God's going to show you what needs to be dealt with. And you're going to say things and preach things that the pastor cannot preach because he has too much knowledge of it. 
And he started laying this out, and the Holy Ghost fell upon me at the door of O Charlie's. And I go to talking in tongues like a Chinaman. And he says, I spoke it to you. Now I'm going to pray it on you. And he took off praying, and I've got to huck a bucking and talking in tongues. I walked away from the door. I said, my word. The next place I went was January 29th, 2012. I'll never forget the weekend. I was only supposed to be there a weekend. I had weekends lined up. And I went and preached that Sunday. And pastor called me in his office that night. And he said, brother, uh, I see you being here all of February at least. As a young evangelist, I mean, I thought, my goodness, we're in the big times now. But something happened in the spirit. Because then when I would go to pray, the Lord would tell me things that needed to be addressed in a congregation that the pastor couldn't preach about because he had too much head knowledge. And I ended up staying seven weeks in revival there. And that's how we operated. That's how I operated the whole time as an evangelist is I would go in and I'd go to prayer and the Lord would give me five or six, maybe seven or eight things that needed to be dealt with in a congregation. And, I, and, and, and that's, that's how a shepherd is. The shepherd sees things. God begins to tell them things that need to be dealt with in a congregation. And you can't hit them all at once. you got to space them out over time because you got to give people time to change. I could get up here and unload the whole machine gun. And all I'd have is bloody sheep. Remember this. Shepherds only shear sheep one time a year. After that, you got bloody sheep. And I've got a responsibility to God not to beat people up, but to help you get to heaven. I want you to get to heaven. And I want to stand before God and say, Lord, it was a pleasure pastoring these people. They love you. They want to serve you. So I got to watch. There's going to be things I get up here and I preach about, and you're going, what in the world is he talking about? I don't have a clue. You know what? I may be preaching to one person, but I'm watching out for all people. Because the next thing is, after you watch, he said, I'm going to give you the word, and you better hear what I'm saying. You better hear. There's been times I've walked to a pulpit, and I preached what I wanted to preach. You know what? I learned there's a big difference in the altar calls when I preached what I wanted to preach and when I preached what God wanted me to preach. I'm, this, this, this pulpit is not for me to get up here and get on a soapbox and preach my opinions. It's to preach the word of God. I don't fill, the, I don't fill it with sports. I don't fill it with politics because sports and politics won't get you to heaven. But the word of God will get you to heaven. He said, so thou, son of man, I have set thee a watchman of the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. Hear the word. Hear the word. God doesn't always tell me to preach fun stuff. There's things 
I love preaching. I love preaching on shouting. I love preaching on worship. I love preaching on faith. There's things that they're just fun, if I could use that word. I'm not trying to make light of it. But there's times the Lord will say, you need to preach on conviction. You need to preach against sin, etc., etc. You know what? If I ignore that, then I'm not doing my duty as a watchman. I got a duty unto the Lord. You say, well, you're, you're just your first time pastor and you're taking it too serious. I don't think you can take pastoring too serious. So if I am, forgive me, pray for me. If I got to stand before God, I want to say, Lord, I did. I'd rather God say, well, you, you did too much than for me to get up there and say, you didn't do enough. We like the prophetic blessings of God. Everybody wants somebody to come read their mail and tell them they got a check on the way. But you start looking at that Old Testament. You start looking at those prophets and the messages that they were sent with to the people. They weren't going giving them blessings from God. They were showing up and saying, hey, you boys don't get your act together. God's going to strike y'all. They were showing up saying, hey, the land's going to dry up. This is going to happen. Prophets were not a sought after position in that day. In fact, the prophets wanted to run. But they had a duty unto the Lord that if I hear the word, I've got to speak the word. I'll never forget when I was evangelizing. I was in a revival. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to preach. And I prayed for days for a Wednesday night service. And I was on the platform. I didn't have a scripture. I didn't have a title. I had my Bible. And that was it. Might have had my iPad, but that was just as a decor, as a prop, because I didn't have nothing to preach on it. And the whole service, I'm over there worshiping, going, God, I really need something. I really need something to preach. The pastor's introducing me to the pulpit. I don't have a thing. I don't have nothing. And while I'm walking from that, it was on this side, but it was about the same difference, distance. While I'm walking to the pulpit, the Lord gives me a scripture and a title. And that goes totally against my, my personality. Because I, I may not read it, but at least I got something here to fall back on if it goes south pretty quick. And I got up there and I read my scripture. I gave my title. And that's all I had. But do you know the power of God fell in that place? And it was the greatest service of the whole revival. Over an hour, hour and a half, people laid out slain in the Holy Ghost. Tongues and interpretation. Power of God moving. Because there's a difference when you go preach what God tells you to preach than when you preach what you want to preach. Then he said, you better warn them. That was the third thing. You better warn them. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, 
He shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. You know what? Why I preach what God tells me to preach? Because it delivers my own soul from his judgment. What you do with it is between you and God. But I've got a responsibility to preach the whole truth, the entirety of his word. I get up and start telling things that the Lord has shown me and told me. It will blow your mind. If I sat here and, and, and told you everything God showed me in six and a half months, because I'll be honest with you, a lot of it doesn't make any sense to me. I just take it to prayer and I say, Lord, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know if it's you or a burrito, but I'm praying about it. If it's you, you're going to have to bring it to pass. So I want to take just a few moments and issue a few warnings in the Holy Ghost. There's a, the spirit, one of the chief spirits in this whole Catahoula parish is a divisive, backbiting spirit. I've already met him, the strong man, and people will smile at you, and then they'll just rip you to pieces when you walk away. That ought not be in the house of God. And I, I'm not afraid of it. But the only way we're going to kill that and bind that is through prayer and prevention. You can be praying but not preventing. And just say it like this. You read that book, you're going to find out real quick how God feels about discord in the body. He don't like it. He don't like it. There's going to be people in this building. You're not going to go eat with them. You don't get along with them. Your personalities don't mesh. Welcome to life. But you ain't got to rip them to pieces. I may be blunt tonight, Brother Chase. Pray for me over here, okay? The Holy Ghost is embodied in one word. Love. Love. If you're in love with your spouse that you're in a relationship with, you're not always going to agree with them. But hopefully, you're not going to rip them to pieces when you don't agree with them. Because you love them. You're in a relationship with them. And we're, we've, we've got the same spirit. We've all got the same Father, spiritually speaking, which is the Holy Ghost. The love of Christ shed abroad upon our hearts. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one toward another. It baffles me how people will think that they can rip someone to pieces down here but spend eternity in heaven with them. You can't exist with them down here. But you think all of a sudden when the rapture takes place, everything's going to be okay and we can spend eternity together. That doesn't make sense. That's That logic, there's holes all in that. I want you to make it to heaven. 
just as much as I want me to make it to heaven. We have to understand, the Bible says how can you, you can't go in unless you first bind the strong man. So when you're praying, I want you to bind that divisive, backbiting spirit. It's the only way you conquer it. It's through prayer. Because a lot of people can smile and pat you on the back, but their hearts and their motive is not right. It's not right. And, and, and I'm walking softly. I've been walking softly six and a half months, but I'm starting to get a little more comfortable. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Just because you hear it doesn't mean you have to say it. You may not be able to control what you hear, but you can control what you say. And I want to protect the body of Christ. I don't want to hurt the body of Christ. So I want to, if something comes my way, because I have a faithful spirit, I want to conceal it so it don't get out anymore and do damage to the body of Christ. God hates discord. He hates it. Let me just say this. Be careful who you talk to even outside of the church. Because things have a way of spreading. I found out real quick, if I sneeze here before I get to the station, they already know. They know. People know. And people have a way of wanting to influence things in the church. Now, I'm trying to talk in very subtle manners, but you better be careful who you talk to, who you're connected to. Let me say this. This ain't soapbox, but the Bible says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. How is media conveyed? Through the air waves. Who controls media? I can tell you who controls it by just reading the headlines. So with that word media, we can also add the word social media. It can be used for a lot of good things. We have people, hundreds of views, some services over a thousand views on our Facebook Live, that is a wonderful opportunity for us to reach people with the gospel. But can I tell you, not everybody's broadcasting services on their Facebook page. Not everybody's using Instagram for good or Snapchat. Parents, since there's not a lot of kids in there, in here, if your kids have Snapchat, you need to pray. They don't need Snapchat. What are you doing, preacher? I'm just trying to warn you of things that God's been dealing with me about. I'm trying my best. I want to stand before God and say, God, I warned them. I gave them the warning, God. 
I want you and your family to make it to heaven. I want you to be saved. It hurts my heart. I've been here now six and a half, almost seven months, loved every minute of it. I, I hope the Lord tarries and I can die here. But there's been things that have got back to me that have grieved my heart about the body. I haven't confronted anybody. I've prayed about it. I'd rather give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to change than to call you out the first time and single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I, I want you to be saved. And I want you to understand that things need to change if you're doing things that God don't like. If you're hurting the body, if you're saying things to people about the body, God doesn't like that. God don't like that. This is, this is my brother and my sister. I want you to be saved. I want your family to grow in Christ. Let me say this. There's another spirit that is just as powerful as that backbiting spirit, and it's the spirit of sensuality. Now understand, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's what Scripture says. We wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Just like there is physical government in a parish, town, state, there is a spiritual jurisdiction. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. It's just what, what you see in the physical, in the governmental system, is a, there's a mirror in the spiritual. The spiritual, as I traveled as an evangelist, I would go into a city and I'd say, Lord, I bind the spiritual jurisdiction. I take dominion over their jurisdiction. You have authority in the spirit world. you got to understand that. God gave you authority over the spirit world. And you, there's going to be things that strike you in your spirit that you go, ah, that just ain't right. That ever happened to anybody? Something happened and you go, you just got a weird feeling like, oh, I don't know about this. Let me tell you what not to do. Don't go find 42 people and say, I just got a bad feeling about that. That's not doing nothing except gossiping. What, what I can tell you to do is go to prayer and say, Lord, I just got a feeling about this, so I'm going to pray about it, and I'm going to put it in your hands, and I want you to save that person before they make a big mistake. That's the approach I would recommend you taking. Because if you take that other approach, you're not doing any good. You're just stirring the pot. You ever met any pot stirrers? Their arms had, I met people I thought, boy, their arms got to be tired. All they do is stir the pot. I mean, it's like they couldn't live unless they had drama. I just kind of like living in a, in a drama-free zone. I know as, as you grow and you gain momentum, I've seen it happen. I've been in revivals where everything that could go wrong went wrong. You know why? Because we were on the brink of a breakthrough. When you're fixing to press through, the enemy's going to start fighting every which way that he can. Let me say this. God gave you a brain. Some use it. 
I didn't say that, Sister Jane, you did. But there are lines, invisible lines, that we know when we're stepping over the line. You know. You can act like you don't. But there's a, there's a feeling inside where you go, you know what? I, I think I went too far. You know when you do. Let me just put it like this. That's God's way of trying to protect you. He instilled it inside of you for your own safety and the safety of other people. When you violate that line and you just keep going over it and keep going over it, you're searing your conscience to where pretty soon you're not going to hear that voice telling you to stop. That is when you get in danger. I don't care who the person is. I'm telling you this right now because we haven't had any problems since I've been here. So I'm safe in telling you this without people think I'm calling them out. All I ask you is listen to the voice. Don't violate that voice. Because when you violate that voice, then you're going to wish you hadn't. Amen. Stand with me right now. I feel a check of the Holy Ghost. What are you doing, preacher? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm warning. Just warning. There are things that I've seen since I've been here that haven't set well with me in the Holy Ghost. And I've just prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it. And now I'm warning you. You need to be obedient to the voice that God put inside of you. He put a voice inside of you and a voice from the pulpit to help you. It's the warning of the watchman. Now, what you do with it from here on out is between you and the Lord. It's off of my hands. But I want you, I want you to say, Lord, whenever you go to your prayer time, this is how I want you to pray. Lord, I want to heed the warning of the watchman. I want to heed it. I may, I may be talking to two or three people here tonight, but you know what? Six months from now, it may apply to you. A year from now, it may apply to you. Right now, you may be way up here on the mountaintop, and you and Jesus are just like that, and I'm thankful for it. But just know life marches on, and you got to come off the mountain. And you're going to need a warning from a watchman. A warning from a watchman. I, I want you to close your eyes right now. Sister Joyce, as you come. Lord, these are your sheep. These are your people. I want to stand before you one day and say, God, it was a pleasure. It was a joy to pastor these precious people. Lord, the problem that we all face is that we're all trapped in human flesh. Paul said, I, I try to do good and evil is present with me, Lord. 
Everybody here could say the same thing. There's times that we try to do good, yet we mess up. Nonetheless, Lord, my prayer tonight for your church is that you would draw us closer to you than we've ever been. Lord, let us be so close that when something comes our way that, that, that we feel like repeating that would harm the body, we want to conceal it. We want to conceal it in prayer. We want to conceal it in the blood of Christ. Lord, help us to govern our conduct and operate in a manner that is pleasing to you and that would not be a reproach to the identity of Christianity and Christ within us. We want to heed the warning of the watchman, Jesus. I'm inviting everyone. I think it'd be good if we came and just kind of had some consecration of the Lord. Maybe if there's areas that you want to repent in your own life, I just think as a body of Christ, we need to come and spend a moment of time talking to the Lord. This is between you and God. It's not between you and a preacher.